Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of Talk About It, Sis. This is season two, episode 17. We are like three episodes away from the end of the season. We'll be taking some breaks. Amanda's really happy about that, mm-hmm. even though I'll be editing <laughs> all the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm excited that we're going to get to take a break again. I wanted to do an episode about sobriety. I feel like it's a pretty huge part of my life that I haven't really talked about. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about it. And Amanda is going to lead us. Yeah. yeah. So I think this is a, a really great topic to talk about now. You know, last week we talked about celibacy and you brought up that you were also sober for those mm-hmm. six years. So you've experienced sobriety for long period of time. And I say that's significant for someone who does drink. I mean, it's different for people who just don't drink at all, right? They're not mm-hmm. into alcohol, but you've done it. So I guess the major thing for me is what makes what's making you stop now? Um, I get that question 24-7 first. <laughs> like when you go out and you tell people that you don't drink, they're like, is it because you have a problem? <laughs> like, never be like, hey, I just like don't drink. Right. Um, for me, I think it's a, like a mental health decision. Mm-hmm. I think that I function better when I don't drink. I feel like I'm generally happier. Um, I, I mean, literally, alcohol is a depressant, and I struggle with anxiety and depression. So I just notice the difference in my mental state when I am drinking, um, mm-hmm. and and I don't enjoy it. I find myself a lot more motivated, like to go to the gym to get stuff done when. I'm just like alcohol is not a part of my life. So that's why I decided to stop. It's been, I mean, I did that six years. I started drinking again. Then last year I did eight months. Mm-hmm. And then this year I have, it's been like four and a half months now, but this, but I never was really sold on it being permanent. Mm-hmm. This time I feel like I'm kind of sold on it being permanent. What would you say has changed the most in your life since you decided to make that shift? Like, I know you said it's good for your mental health, but like... I think it is... What has changed most? I would say my coping mechanisms, right? Like, I think just Mm -hmm. society in in general, a lot of people use alcohol as a coping mechanism, whether they identify as, like, alcoholics or not, or, like, have, you know, say, think they have problematic relationship with alcohol. But I think that when you use alcohol as a crutch, Mm -hmm. you don't, you can't really process your emotions. Like, because anytime something hard is coming up or anytime you're feeling stressed out, it's like, oh, let me grab a drink or, like, let me... So that doesn't... Uh, actually actually allow you to like get to the root of the actual problem or and find solutions so for me I, like I actually have learned to like sit with my emotions mm-hmm. in a way that I like literally could not before and then the foresight to see that like okay these emotions right now really suck but I don't have to try to escape them I can sit with them and I can move forward I have much difficulty with sitting with my emotions when you sit with your emotions, what it, what does that feel like? Like, what's going on in your brain? What's happening to your body? I mean, it fucking sucks. I mean, for, <laughs> excuse my language. Um, I mean, I don't know if any if I have ever like said this on the podcast, but I have like diagnosed complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so sitting with my emotions can be very intense. Um, and for those who know what PTSD is, it's, yeah, it's a lot like Mm -hmm. (laughs) sitting with your emotions, especially when you're triggered can be, can feel almost unbearable. Mm -hmm. Um, like you want to escape your body because the anxiety or the emotional flashback is so bad. Um, and for those like who don't know, so usually people, 
I think this is something that important that people should just know in general. But usually when people associate PTSD, they associate it with like visual flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always the case. For a lot of people who have complex PTSD, the flashbacks are emotional. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something happens to you and you're in a state where you're, you know, obviously completely back in whatever's being triggered. Right. Um, and I don't find alcohol helpful in trying to cope with that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like um, I find it helpful to sit with those emotions and figure out how I can work through them. At least for me. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up and explained because yeah. I was going to ask you what's that complex PTSD part for people who don't understand. And that can just... Oh. Not that I have PTSD or anything, but I can just empathize with you understanding when that emotional piece comes back, mm-hmm. how hard that is to deal with. Um, and like you said, with the coping mechanisms, that's definitely something I wanted to get into mm-hmm. as someone, and I've shared this on a podcast before, whose um, drinking has went up drastically during the pandemic. It really is an easy fix. Yeah, I never consider myself an alcoholic or anything, but the amounts of stress that I deal with. And it's not any different from things we all deal with, right? Like we all got to deal with work and life, whatever, but it really is easy. And I don't know, I felt like I don't have the mental capacity right now to just sit with my emotions because I don't know, I just can't imagine. All right, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to deal with it because I have all these things pulling at me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this drink and I'm going to get things done. And I know that sounds like awful, but it's like I've I've beca- I've become okay with the fact that this is what's helping me right now. Mm-hmm. And I know that will sound crazy to a lot of people, but I look at it as the same as a medication for people who smoke weed. Um, I don't really smoke weed because it doesn't. Um, I can't function when I'm high. I can function when I'm in the, in the hybrid. <laughs> When I'm tipsy, <laughs> I can still function when I'm tipsy. Um, and the thing is, I want to stop. Like, I really, truly do for obviously health reasons. M- my main concern is physical health. I know that mental health is important. And like, when you're taking meds, I take medication. I haven't, dis- I've never disclosed why I take medication, but I do take medication. So I should not be drinking. But my main concern is my physical health. I'm getting older. You know, I want to be around for my kids, but it- it's such an easy fix. No, so I like, I admire you. <laughs> I know it's hard for you, but I'm like, I admire you being able to sit with that. Yeah. What, what motivates you? Like what? Has you like, you know what? I can do this. And no matter how painful or hurtful it is, I can do this. I mean, for me, it's like looking at what the alternative is, right? Like, so if I'm having these triggers and I'm trying to drown them in alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a cycle. It's a constant cycle, right? Like I was never like the person who drank every day or none none of those things. It was just like, why am I drinking? What is my relationship and why I pick up alcohol? Mm-hmm. Like for me, it was a self, it's self-medicating. I don't have to be an alcoholic to have mm-hmm. a relationship with alcohol that's not mm-hmm. good for me. Um, and so like, yeah, I feel like the uh, for me, what keeps me pushing is like the alternative is so unhealthy for me. Like I have, I don't know, I don't know if uh, other people get this, but I have like post-drinking anxiety. Mm-hmm. So like I can have like a normal go out and have two drinks and then the next day I'm miserable. I'm like, oh, my God, like that was so bad. Like in this like cycle of shame, because I, I mean, for everyone, alcohol changes the chemistry in your brain. So mm-hmm. 
because I already have things going on, like it just triggers an extreme amount of anxiety for me. And then that can like, for me, go into the next like five, six days. Right. And like, that's just not healthy for me. So I remember that and I'm like, "Mm, don't miss that. Like, (laughs) and I'm really like passionate about being the best person that I can be and growing and being healthy and like breaking the cycle of trauma in my life and if I decide to have kids for generations to come and so like I know that in order to do that I have to do the work like Mm, trauma just doesn't go away you know like it's not going to get better unless I make it get better (laughs) you know like so for me it's a conscious choice to be like if I want a different outcome I have to Mm -hmm. do something different and you know it's not alcohol for everybody like you said for some people it's weed for some people it's sex for some you know Mm -hmm. everybody has their things that they use to escape their emotions um Mm -hmm. and so i'm just trying to you know now i go to the gym i i go to the gym a lot (laughs) (laughs) um that helps me a lot i you know i hang out with my friends you know but there there is a lot of societal pressure and a lot of judgment surrounded yes i was gonna say that like um you say you know you go out and people like why aren't you drinking Mm -hmm. especially when you're a a drinker and Mm -hmm. you don't drink everyone's like so why are you not drinking today are you pregnant (laughs) are you taking medication like yeah something has to be wrong with you and one of the biggest things for me and i'm not justifying or using an excuse but depending on where you live and who your social circle is peer pressure with drinking can be so hard like it's liquor everywhere. Work events, brunch. <laughs> you can't eat breakfast without being offered a Bellini. I mean, come on, take this shot. You know, it's always something to celebrate. Promotion, you know, new job, whatever. And for me, it is so hard. And you can, of course, understand this because you're in New York. And between both of us being in cities where, like, the social circle is surrounded by dining out and eating their brunch, it, it really is hard to turn stuff down. And I know, like, when I go to my mom's house, it's so easy not to drink. <laughs> this is so boring down there. Yeah. So, like, I can literally sit at my mom's house and be like, I don't even want to drink right now because there's nothing to do. But... Peer pressure is real. How do you deal with that up in New York City? I mean, I just have my boundaries and I let people know, like, no, I'm not doing this. Please stop Mm -hmm. asking me. Um, And I don't. And a lot of people like immediately want to know why. And I just I don't. What I've learned is like, I don't owe you an answer. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. even know you. And what I find is when people get so uncomfortable with the fact that you're not drinking, it says more about their relationship with alcohol than your own. Mm, that's mm. what I realized. Like, you know, I'm like, why are you so pressed? For me to drink. Right. This is this is my body. <laughs> like, why is this bothering you so much? Yeah, I just I pay attention to who I hang out with. I hang out with people that have respect the decision that I've made. Um mm-hmm. dating can be hard for sure. Um mm-hmm. I've had people be like, so what are we going to do on a date if we're not drinking? And I'm like, <laughs> well, actually, I, you know, I definitely don't want to go out with you. Um, or they just make it a big deal. And like, in reality, it's not that big of a deal. It's that society has made us think that it's it's not a big deal if somebody doesn't drink and we just make it into this like huge thing. And I'm just like, if your life centers that much around alcohol, I'm worried about you. Are there places you won't go because alcohol is just too much a part of that environment? Uh, Not really. I'm at a place now where I I get to a point where I kind of lose the desire for it. Mm. Um, And the only time I really like... I'll have occasional, like if I'm going through a really hard emotional time, I'll have emotional... I'll have a moment where I'm like, dang, it would be really great to have a tequila soda right now. Um, (laughs) But then I'm like, 
yeah, no, that might temporarily make me feel better, but it's not going to solve the problem. So I always just like remind myself of that. So do you not get that urge to drink when things are going well? Like a celebratory drink? Not really. Okay, that's interesting because I feel like when I go through my emotional times, I'm like, God, I need a drink to get through this. And then when everything is going fine, I'm like, hey, let's let's drink to this. Yeah, uh, like New Year's and stuff and like holidays. Okay. Where I definitely am like, oh, like everyone else is drinking. But I don't know. Once you have made a decision. Mm-hmm. Just like that is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said on the last episode, you're you're very um I don't know, I can't remember what word is you use, but language you used when you were like pretty straightforward, routine based. Like if you say you're gonna do something, you're gonna do it. Yeah. And it's so personality. Yeah, yeah. So I can understand that. But I think too, some of the biggest issues with drinking is the binging aspect of it. Because yeah. it's like I think I do think binging is encouraged and that's the part of the like drinking culture that I didn't understand it when I was younger. But now I'm like, eh, this is where it gets people in a lot of trouble. Like, why are we bragging about downing 20 mimosas <laughs> yeah. at brunch and everybody shots on me, shots on me. For me, that is definitely environment. Like, so me, I feed off the energy of my environment. Mm-hmm. So I know that once I place myself in a certain situation, I'm going to match the energy. It's, I can't even help it. So yeah, like, yeah, oh, we're taking shots? Good. Rounds for everybody. <laughs> and for me, I can't, if I decide that I'm not drinking, I can't go out. I'm not going to the lounge, the club, the day party. I'll go out to dinner, but I can't do it. I just, I don't know. And I don't even know if it's peer pressure because no one has to pressure me. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's most people, right? Like, Yeah, I think so. And I, I'm not familiar with a, like a whole bunch of other cultures in terms of binging. So I don't know if that's like something Americans like do or no. from like other countries. People are uh, like, everybody, well, okay. Most people are. <laughs> most okay, people yeah, I don't know. Like, like cultures. Um. But like, I mean, also like Mexico, like, they were like that in Mexico. Yeah, I'm like people don't associate uh, binge drinking with alcoholism, but it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like if you read anything about alcoholism on like any website, it'll tell mm-hmm. you like you don't have to drink every day to be alcoholic. But if you're going out and you're having six drinks <laughs> every time you go out, you have a problem with alcohol. And I just don't, I think we just like, yeah, we'll ignore that part. Um, Yeah. And and I had to, oh, go ahead. I'm going to say, I was just reading a book. Um, People also think that like, they have this like one image of what an alcoholic looks like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody who can't keep a job or like, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who, but like, no, like I was reading this book about this woman who was like VP of her company, thriving, but a full-blown alcoholic and like nobody knew it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also like really important to say like uh, uh, having a problem with alcohol doesn't look one way. Right. And I was going to say, yeah, because some people <clears throat> consider themselves <laughs> functioning alcoholics. Like you can be successful <laughs> at work and be a great. But you're like, ah, yeah, I need this drink. And that made me think of um, I joined an AA meeting once. It was online, like a Zoom meeting. I actually had to do it for class. <laughs> but I was so in denial about my personal drinking that when the teacher like gave us an assignment, I was like, I'm not, I am not going to no AA meeting. They're going to think I'm alcoholic. 
<laughs> but anyway, I joined a Zoom one and one of the guys telling his story, it really hit me because he was like, you know, I don't drink all the time. He just says, but when I do, it always yeah. ends bad. <laughs> And I think that's the other part of um, alcoholism people don't talk about. Because they say, oh, I don't drink often. You know, I drink once a month. But, like, every month, does your life crumble? (laughs) Because if so, maybe you shouldn't drink. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And also, like, I just want to emphasize that you don't have to be an alcoholic to decide that you don't want to drink anymore. You can decide that that it doesn't work for you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, And I think that's, like, a part of a stigma, a part of the stigma, like, Everybody wants you to label yourself an alcoholic if, mm-hmm. you know, you don't like the relationship that you have with alcohol, alcohol. And that's not always the case either. Like, like I said, when I go out and I'm saying I don't drink, the first the first question I get is like, oh, did you have an issue with alcohol or like, mm-hmm. are you alcoholic? And I'm like, no, I just didn't like the relationship that I had with it. Yeah. You know, there's and I find that people who can't, because if, if I'm not with you and you tell me you're not drinking, like, whatever, I'm taking these back. I'm okay with being around someone who doesn't drink mm-hmm. and then I'm a drink. Do you feel like your friends or your social circles should respect that and not drink as much around you or are you oh, okay? No, I don't care. No, okay. I just went out with my friend night last night. She had three drinks. And we were chilling. Okay. Um, so yeah, I definitely do go out with friends, but I don't um I don't go to like places where there's nothing else for me to do. So like mm-hmm. I don't go to like bar like I will go out with my friends and go to like a lounge mm-hmm. where there's food but like if we're only going to a bar and we haven't done anything else else that day then like no I'm not going to go there but sometimes I do end up like at places where the only thing that people are doing is drinking because like we went out to eat earlier as a group and now mm-hmm. we're all going to this like second place and honestly what I just do is drink Red Bull mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I I literally cannot stay awake. Like I am a ten thirty girl, go to sleep, so I have mm-hmm. to drink Red Bull or I don't last. Like it's funny because even the other night when we went out and I said that she had those three drinks, the uh, the bar, the dinner place that we were at didn't have Red Bull, so I was like, all right, it's about that time. No coffee. <laughs> they didn't have coffee either. Oh, okay. <laughs> Usually I'll drink tea. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't an option. So wow. So yeah, I'm I'm opposite. Like I can't I can't go out and be around people if <laughs> they're drinking. I just find myself getting like super frustrated, and then like no one wants to be the only person around a bunch of drunk. I'm just like this is not the mood for me. No, I feel that. I feel like parties and stuff can be really annoying for me, just depending on who it is. Because like not every right. drunk person is the same, right? Some people are cool to chill with drunk, mm-hmm. and then other people you're like, bro, like you're acting like an idiot. So it just depends. Right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it just depends on who the person is. And I find that the people I hang out with can usually like drink and act pretty normal. Yeah, especially with age. It's not like we're like 19, 20 in these clubs and everyone's like, eh, shot, 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 shot. Yeah, that's Try so funny. Drinking. That's so funny that you bring that up. Because like the other day, so my roommate's a lot younger than me. And like he was having a party a couple of months ago. And every time somebody would walk in the door, they'd scream like, it's shot o'clock. And I'm like, well, I do not. I do not miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, thank you. Uh, in the days of drinking, like, Everclear? Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Heavens, no. I don't even know why. That's literally, like, rubbing alcohol. But that mm-hmm. leads me to, to think about, like, I don't know when you started drinking, but I started drinking really young. I started drinking at, like, 15. No, I didn't start drinking until I actually stepped foot in college. And even then, I can count on one finger the times I did get drunk. And it was usually a horrible night. Unsupervised. It was just terrible. So I didn't drink. I didn't start drinking a lot until I um got older. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think changed? Uh, the stresses. So I I was strictly a social drinker in my twenty early twenties before marriage. So like if you came to my apartment, you would not find any liquor at all. I barely would find food. <laughs> but I just wasn't like buying wine and stuff. Um, it was strictly on the nights we were going out. And then like as I got married, and I would say after my first child. That's when I kind of started buying liquor and it would be in the house. Part of it was for me and in part was social. Like like I own a home now and I have company and I want to host and things like that. So it was a combination of lifestyle, but also like more stressors. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I felt like I started drinking at 15. Like I talked about earlier, it was a, a lot of like trying to cope with my emotions mm-hmm. and then yeah and it was all downhill from it's there. Being drunk as a teen i don't know why i'm just like like you know like especially with euphoria back on it's like <laughs> oh what's it drinking as a teen i feel like i was wild yes wild literally wild like we got into so much dumb stuff like i remember me and my friends with egg cars drunk okay <laughs> okay <laughs> we would literally just get drunk drive around don't do this at home. You don't drive around and egg cars. We stole Halloween decorations. Okay. I remember nice I, I stole this head. I stole this head from this house that had this like elaborate Halloween <laughs> decoration. And we went back uh, the next like a couple of days later and they left the note like we have you on camera if you don't return the head. Like <laughs> so I had we returned the head in the moment. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds like that actually sounds like regular teenage fun fun sober stuff. Yeah. I wasn't I didn't get really wild until I was like mm. in my like eighteen, nineteen. And then I stopped drinking at twenty. Okay. Then it also just makes me think of like the things that we do sober versus drunk and how I think at some point in my life I just didn't need to be drunk. Like mm. I would be wilding, having fun, partying, I could have sex, all these things without like an ounce of liquor. And then no. I see people kind of having conversations now as they got older. It's like, oh, I can't I can't go out until I have a drink. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just things aren't as fun anymore or it's just too many responsibilities surrounding going out. <laughs> like, no. I don't know, but I always find it interesting that there are many people, especially men, who cannot like have sex without being intoxicated and it's not even just mm-hmm. alcohol like drugs too yeah and it's not even especially men it's a lot of women too yeah you know? okay. like like um i mean i've talked about this on you know previous episodes as well that like a lot of my sexual experiences were drunk and like when i stopped drinking like that i really had to do a stock of like wait a second how did all these relationships begin? <laughs> you know, and was okay. yeah, and was alcohol involved? All all these relationships I'm complaining about, or like, yeah, like how did we get here? And I think that a lot of people can like relate to that, honestly, because if you have any level of like sexual trauma or mm-hmm. fear around sex. 
it can be very easy to just like grab a drink. Right. And just even with that as, and I think about too, as we get older and you mentioned women, there are a lot of things that like decrease our libido as we get older. So for women, uh, certain medications, you mm-hmm. know, they will dry you up, breastfeeding, just, just a whole bunch of things, menopause. Mm-hmm. And then with men, men are more likely to, you know, suffer from, oh gosh, why am I <laughs> drawing a blank? Erectile dysfunction. Yes, erectile dysfunction. And so I know a lot of men may not talk about it with their friends or maybe they do. They just don't talk about it with women. Actually, I take that back. You know, they get mm-hmm. Viagra, but they're also drinking to keep it up. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the term dope dick. I mean, in that wheezy song. Girl, I got that. <laughs> right. So, uh, I talked about this as like with a with a colleague of mine, but like a lot of her clients, you know, they basically say that they take opioids, which in a lot of cases is heroin, because it keeps them hard like all night. So crazy. A lot of these rap songs, like talking about it, popping, well, not just opioids, but like popping Molly and codeine mm-hmm. and and all this stuff is because. It helps them perform. Mm. <laughs> not on it, then it's like Yeah, and that pressure is real. I was even watching a documentary about like men who take Viagra who haven't been like prescribed it and really like don't even oh, wow. need it, but had like a lot of anxiety. Like there was men in the uh documentary that had a, a lot of anxiety around like getting hard or performing or like being what they think this woman wants and so they would wow. like, stop viagra unnecessarily <laughs> and they were in like a circle i can't remember what documentary this was but they were like in a circle talking about their viagra use and and these ki- like some of these people were like 1920 mm. so, so i think that pressure is real and like alcohol definitely i think a lot of people use it in that way like you said and i think and i would love to see like some data or statistics on like alcohol all the like per- consumers like increase in purchases mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic because what this has taught me and I think it's something we clearly you know we may have already known but the world is not prepared for a mental health crisis epidemic crisis yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like people just didn't know what to do there's a shortage on therapists um there was already a shortage of therapists and like yeah. even more so now the agency I work for it's like people are coming in and it's not enough people to work Mm. and I think this puts a lot in perspective of what we need to do as a society in case something like this happens again I mean I don't know how if how long it will take us to recover from this yeah I don't know suicide rates are up depression rates are up like I Mm -hmm. I wrote a story about this a couple months ago talking about like the the mental health pandemic amidst the actual pandemic and it's literally out of control we just don't not have we just don't have the resources and mm-hmm. like therapists are also burned out with so many clients. A lot of people not able to get appointments because so many people need therapy right now. Like it's, it's a hot mess and we were never prepared. We weren't trying to get prepared. Like, because I just personally think that this country doesn't really take mental health seriously. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I can't say I'm surprised. Like we already have one of the highest suicide rates, even without a pandemic, you know? Sadly. Exactly. So. And I'm really curious about, again, like the long term effect with this increase in alcohol. Like, what is that doing to us? Yeah. I mean, what is the pandemic alone doing to us? So, like, <laughs> add alcohol on top of that. Like, for the, the, to me, this pandemic is definitely like traumatic. So, then mm-hmm. I don't know that we will see the long term effects of how it's impacted us for a long time. But I know, mm. like, I definitely feel that I've lost two, three years of my life already. Like, right. so that alone. And then you bring up you know people that are coping with that trauma with with alcohol mm-hmm. people are definitely going to see long-term mental health effects long-term health effects oh no yeah, i'm thinking like 
one of the reasons that I feel like I need to get a hold on it too is just I'm getting older. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. of things like liver cancer. Yes, I was looking up statistics about that. And mm-hmm. uh, I was reading a study that said, first of all, alcohol is linked to seven cancers. Uh, mouth, throat, larynx, esophagus, liver, colon, and rectum, and breast cancer. And just last year, over 740,000 cancer cases were caused or connected to alcohol. And Damn. then and exactly. this, is, this is last year? Just last year, 740,000. That's like, oh my God, almost a million. And then um, men accounted for three quarters of alcohol-related cancers. um, And women, 98,300 cases of breast cancer were related to alcohol. Damn, I had no (laughs) idea that breast cancer had any correlation with alcohol use, like at all. Me neither. And I'm thinking back to my 20s. I'm like, good Lord. I need a mammogram. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think that. I mean, like, you know, when we see cigarette boxes, we see, you know, let's say, like, hey, be careful. This, you're going to die, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get cancer if you continue <laughs> We just, I feel like we don't have the same understanding or like labeling with alcohol. Right. I mean, alcohol, right, has their little tidbits on the bottle. But you're right. This society and obviously capitalism, the amount of money they make, but this makes me wonder, like, should, drinking laws as terms of like age should they change or should like DUIs be taken more seriously yeah. um, I, mean, I, I definitely know. think DUIs should be taken more seriously because yeah you're killing people and I was just you remember that truck driver recently who was oh driving? god yes, yeah yes, and he got 110 awful. years and I'm like awful yeah and I'm like first and of all people he did get not DUIs and get off exactly exactly it's insane it just shows what we value and I'm like wow like, mm-hmm. so I don't know if the ink drinking age should change. I just think that how society is looking at alcohol as like this fun, because this is the way it's marketed, right? Ooh, you drink, you have fun, you set, you sex, you dance, like life is a party. Hey. Like that's yeah. everything. And it's Sexy. not like. Oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, <laughs> hey, you're drinking rocket fuel. Don't forget that. This causes seven cancers. 800,000 people died last year. Right. <laughs> you, like, you, know, oh, you make me think of back in the day when we were, uh, I think I like s- sexy, like when we were drinking Nuvo. Yeah. Uh, and it was like the sexy pink bottle. It was the thing. It was so nasty. <laughs> And we were going out buying that Nouveau because it looked cute. Yeah. And then even in the club, I mean, today, the markup of liquor in the club are insane compared to when I was in my right. 20s. I mean, right. I went out for my birthday and I spent, what, $600 yep. for a table and all I got was Casamigos. <laughs> I was just about to say, it's like, even worse in places, you know, like Miami, New York and stuff. But it's like, what are we doing? We're paying markup prices for liquor to get trashed for a night we may not remember. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. God, I mean, the narrative The narrative definitely has to change. And I'm not saying, like, I'm, like, totally against all drinking. Like, if people mm-hmm. believe that they could do it in moderation, hey, do right. you? Like, and I do think there's probably people that can do it in moderation. But, yeah, I, I'm just encouraging people to, like, think about why they're doing it and, like, what they use alcohol as. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely think the good point for that is like some people do use it in moderation, but when you're going through that like rough moment or, you know, um, stress, you're triggered by something, we, because we haven't been taught other ways to cope, our brain automatically tells us like, hey, remember that thing you do on Friday mm-hmm. evenings? Now, now's the time. This yeah, it's like now, go get that artificial dopamine and let's right. do this. <laughs> I think it happens so like naturally. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people start alcohol as coping, right? Because you don't know how it feels yet. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's someone out there, someone told you like this will help you feel better. But I think you know, at first it's like, hey, this is this thing you do when you grow up. It's like we're in college and we're grown ups now. We could do grown up stuff and let's celebrate right. and then. You know, everybody gets gets drunk and they start feeling differently. It's like, wait a minute. I have is, the confidence to do this. Right. You know, yeah. there are people just like who will snort coke before a big presentation. There are people <laughs> who are going to take a few shots down same way. I mean, do you think that it's positive for people who need confidence? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sh- confidence. And then there's also that anxiety aspect. And this is coming from Amanda, the person not the clinician, mm-hmm. but I can't tell people, I can't say that someone's wrong because they took a few shots before a presentation, right? Mm-hmm. Because it really is an easy fix. And I guess the sad part is like, I feel like that's okay, but it's when it's not okay, right? Like yeah. when this is too much and maybe you should work on your anxiety, but that's like long-term work, right? Yeah. I think, you know, like... Yeah, it's true. Like, like I said, some people can do it in moderation. And I think if you realize that you're like doing it for the wrong reasons, there should be mm. some like long term plan to fix that. It can't just be like, oh, well, this is what I do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like me. Sounds like me the past few, <laughs> few months. Hey, this is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, has this conversation changed your perspective at all? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, seriously, though. L- my my main reason for wanting to stop drinking is is actually like health, physical health. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be around for my kids, but you know, you name naming all those cancers got me thinking like, <laughs> whoa, I gotta really slow down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, seriously, I need a mammogram. Like, I, I've never had one before. I'm a little oh, scared. Wow. Yeah, no, don't don't start creating false anxiety. <laughs> And then going and and then gonna go drink because you're anxious about the <laughs> Um But no, I mean it's always good to be taking care of your health and taking stock of like why we're mm-hmm. doing the things we're doing. You know, no shame in that. Life is life, and we all have our things we're struggling with. So alcohol is just no longer mine. How's it feel to be free? <laughs> oh my from god! Shackles. <laughs> of tequila shackles off my feet so i can dance <laughs> um it feels great to be free from the shackles of tequila i really did love me some tequila i'm not gonna lie i'm don julio i always i had some crazy tequila nights but you know now i find you know i'm learning how to just have genuine fun mm-hmm Back to those days of genuine fun. Yeah. Just hope that this episode, I think this is, um, this will be really helpful mm-hmm. for a lot of people struggling. A lot of the moms at home when the pandemic, you know, the dads, it's just, I think this is really helpful. So I'm looking forward to the feedback, um, you know, from our listeners. Cool. Well, thank you guys for joining us. There are like three more episodes left in this season. So it's swiftly on its way. But we will see you guys in the next episode.